kicking off a brand new series today, going through the book of James. So if you brought a Bible with you today, uh, you can go and meet me in James chapter one. If you brought a fake Bible, go ahead and turn it on and uh, let the warm glow of God's word hit you in the face. It's going to be a fun series. I think the book of James and this series is important, in my opinion, for those of us living in our moment. You've heard me talk about our secular moment and the specific issues that we are facing for our time. And I think the book of James is important for us because as followers of Jesus, truly followers of Jesus for centuries have been trying to reconcile the good news of the gospel, which is a message of grace. You can say amen right there. That's what we believe with some of the things James says about what we are responsible for in our good works. For centuries, theologians and Christians and those of us that read the Bible have looked at these two pillars of our faith and wrestled with if it is 100% God's move and not mine, Ephesians chapter 2, right, says that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that God made us alive together with Christ. How many of you know, free biology lesson in church today, dead people can't do anything. So we, we affirm with everything that we are, that your salvation, my salvation, the name of this church is centered on the redeeming act that God gave us through Jesus on the cross. And then he gave it power when he stood up out of that grave on that first Easter. That is the gospel because he loved us first so that we could then love him. And so we're not confused about that. That the center of our Christian faith is Jesus. It is not what we can do for Jesus. That would be a good place to say amen. So we're not confused about that. But we still have the message that James brings us, right? That our faith without works is what? Dead, you know. Faith without works is dead. How do we reconcile this gospel of grace and living out of faith that we learned a few weeks ago that even if it's as small as a mustard seed has the ability to move mountains how do we bring those two together and did James and Paul really disagree or did they not James has been the focus of some intense critical scholarship as well calling into question its canonicity, its authorship. And yet one of the wonderful things about the Bible, the whole thing, and specifically James, is that not only has it stood up to this barrage of critical scholarship, it has flourished under that scrutiny. In fact, I would say the Bible, and this is me talking, the Bible is a unique book because it has stood the test of time. And is still living and active and as applicable to you and I as we are in this room today as it was when James penned this letter 
to the people who would receive it, who were scattered around the known world because of persecution of God's people. That that same message for it to thousands of years later be as applicable to our secular moment as it was to theirs is remarkable. Truly miraculous. We appreciate a lot of ancient texts. But not all ancient texts have the ability to transform your life. That's why this is important. That's why this matters. Because it's the living words of God. And so one of the most important tasks that we have, and we want to start here today as we dive into the book of James, is to deal with that question of faith and works. Many have accused James of being anti-Paul and as a segue from that being anti the message of grace. Listen to me carefully. Nothing could be further from the truth. And I want to show you why. But let's begin with this. Who was James? Who was James? What an interesting Character, Because James chapter one, verse one, which isn't even on the screen, I just want you to see it in your Bible or hear it from me, says this. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion. Greetings. It doesn't feel like there's a lot there, but I promise you there's a lot there. James, the reason that particular statement is so powerful is because James was the half brother of Jesus. You're like, awesome. That's really cool. You got to write a book. But, but here's the thing. I have a sister and I would just like to say that there is, I mean, as much as I love my sister, Stephanie, if you're watching some, uh, love you, I would never lift up your voice and say, never. I would never write any letters to anybody where I said, Mitch, a servant of Stephanie Bruns. <laughs> Not a chance. I mean, I might be, I might supposed to be willing to say that because I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. But that's a statement. It's an even bigger statement that he calls his brother Lord. That's a big deal. I also want you to know that it didn't start out that way for James. The Bible is clear that for most of Jesus's life, certainly his adult life, they literally thought he was crazy. And we don't have time to dive into all that, but you can you can look that up in the stories and acts and the gospels and and hear tidbits and bits and pieces about Jesus family. But the reality is, is that James was Jesus brother. He grew up with the son of God. How annoying that Jesus would never sin. That your sibling was, you know, we've all said about our, you know, mom and dad thought you were perfect. Well, what if they were? That's even worse. So, so that statement matters, right? That, that James would say of his brother, you are, you are Lord and I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. What was the difference maker? Because their family was a pious Torah observing, law observing 
large family. Jesus had brothers and sisters. The scripture is clear on that. They were living in difficult economic times. They were poor. Jesus' dad, Joseph, was a carpenter. They were not living in the lap of luxury. And, and perhaps that's a nod to some of what comes in James' uh, letter, maybe at the end of chapter 1, where he says, Pure and undefiled religion is this, to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Maybe that nod comes out of the fact that he grew up in a certain context and he knew what it looked like for your faith to evidence itself in your works. And so there's many different things, but many theologians even believe that this is why, because James did not believe in Jesus at this point, that when Jesus hung on the cross with his arms stretched out and he looked at John and said to John, not any of his siblings, he looked at John his best friend and said, this is my mother, Mary, take care of her. Like where was, where were the siblings? They didn't believe in Jesus yet. They didn't believe in him. What changed that? It was the resurrection. You see, because at the moment that Jesus stood up out of that grave and appeared To the people that he appeared to, everything changed. And I want to suggest that just like James, if Jesus stepped out of that grave, then for you and I, as we sit here, everything can and should be different. And if he didn't, then we're wasting our time. And so that matters because if you fast forward from the resurrection of Jesus... Everything was different because for many of us, and it should be, that is the difference maker. That's why we don't believe in the things that Buddha said, because Buddha is dead. And I'm not picking on other religions. I'm just simply stating what is the difference maker in Christianity? That Jesus is alive and well and ruling and reigning. And he is not disturbed by the things that the devil is throwing at him. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Joseph Smith is dead. L. Ron Hubbard is dead. But come on, church. Jesus Christ of Nazareth is alive. That's the difference. And if that doesn't get you excited, let me read you a passage of scripture from Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 to 15, which will get you excited because here's what it says. For in him, Jesus The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That it wasn't just a theory. It wasn't just a spirit. Jesus is spirit. But he also took on a body. And that matters for you and I. Because the Bible says that he came on this earth. And was tempted in every way that you are. So that he could go to the cross. And be that perfect sacrifice for you. So that you and I right now. Because he walked out of that grave. Can find life. So that word bodily matters. And you, how about this? Don't stop there. It says, you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Why can you conquer the sin in your life? Why can you conquer the death in your life? Because you've been filled in Christ. That's where your power comes from. Who is the head 
of all rule and authority. In him, you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Why do we get baptized? It's not just because it's a symbol of what God has done. It's because he's actually working even in that moment to raise you to life, right? Let's not be confused and leave things off the table of baptism that are actually present in scripture, right? That he's moving and working. It says right here that as you are raised in baptism, it's through the powerful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Boom. If you haven't been baptized, we would love to baptize you. Some of you sitting in this room, we've baptized you right there. It was awesome. Whew. It keeps getting better. Verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And then what did he do? It says he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. The resurrection. So you have a lot to be fired up about for in your faith today. That it isn't worthless. It isn't some silly myth. It isn't some anything. No, if Jesus stood up and we historically believe that as much as we do in faith, because there is good record of that then everything is different. Everything, listen to me, everything shifted for James when Jesus rose from the dead. He was able to go from looking at Jesus as his annoying brother, who, who by the way, they thought was crazy, to saying, you are the Messiah, son of the living God, and I will serve you for the rest of my life. And ultimately, History tells us that James was killed. He was martyred for believing in his brother as the Messiah. How do you get to the place where you're willing to die for somebody that you once thought was a fraud? You watch him rise from the dead. Watch him rise from the dead. So James then emerges in history as a peace-seeking leader of the church in Jerusalem. And sometime around the early to mid-40s, James became that leader who was subsequently called an apostle. Pretty epic story. Pretty amazing work of God. And so that brings us full circle to that important question of James versus Paul. Faith versus works. What are we to do with passages that James writes... Like faith without works are dead or pure religion is keep oneself unstained from the world. Is that really on me to keep myself unstained from the world? Is, is that all on your shoulders and mine or not? James would say stuff like, you're going to tell me you have faith, but I'm going to show you that I have faith. How do we get there? How do we get from Jesus on the cross? It's literally tattooed on my body because I have to be reminded of it. That it's that when he was on the cross, he said it is finished. So was he was he joking or was he not joking? like what's James talking about here? Super important for us to 
come to a conclusion about how, how, where, and in what way do our works, why do we have served the city as part of our mission if it's finished? Super important for us to wrestle with. So James, even as a leader of the church who was a law-abiding Jew and who expected, obviously from his writing, converts to Christianity to do the same. He expected there to be some obedience there, the same standard. Well, I think the key is that we have to read James. (laughs) You're like, that was anticlimactic. (laughs) Why do I say that? Because I think what's so important for us to recognize is that James wrote this letter under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So God gave James what James was going to say, and he used it through James's personal experience, his personality, his style of writing, and all the things that shaped James and how God used him. And the Holy Spirit was working through his personality and through his experience and through his pen And let me tell you, James was not confused about the message of the gospel. The Holy Spirit working through him was not confused about the message of the gospel. James understood this. And I want you to write it down if you have a pen. It'll be on the screen for you. When that kind of grace that I just spent all of that time explaining to you. When that kind of grace is by the powerful working of God deposited into your life, it will always evidence itself coming out of your life. Does that make sense? If it is the powerful working of God deposited into your life. Other scriptures say that the same God who rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. If that is true, it will always evidence itself. So let me share with you from James's pen. What is the thesis of the entire book of James? And what I would argue is the thesis of the entire Bible. What, what, what is my evidence that James was not confused about the message of the gospel? Here it is, James chapter 1, verse 18, and this is what I want you to grasp today. The Bible says this, James wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit these words. Listen to this, I love this, it's beautiful. Of his own will, speaking of God, of his own will, he brought us forth. By the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. That is the gospel. You see, everything else that James is going to write is going to be run through the filter of, of, of his own will. Not yours, not mine, not anybody else's. The God of the universe to you and to me would look and of his own will, knowing all the things you struggle with at this very moment, knowing all the things you've done in your past, knowing all the things you're going to do in your future, that out of all of those things, he would of his own will step out of the splendors of heaven 
come to this earth knowing what he knew, which is everything, live a life that you and I are incapable of living, silently going to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and for mine, being brutally whipped, beaten, murdered, hung on a cross, breathing his last, getting put into a tomb, and three days later rising again, was all because in his own will, he chose you and me and every other person who would call upon his name, every other person who would confess that Jesus is Lord, every person that he would powerfully work in their life. We love because he first loved us. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures. You don't know it's flabbergasting. Not only did he rescue you, but then he has redeemed you and he has created you on purpose for a purpose. We sang things like there's purpose in our pain today. Do you realize that there's no other religion in the world that looks at the pain you're going through and offers you hope in that pain? This is the only one that says that God can redeem the pain in your life and use it for his glory. Amazing. James had a crystal clear understanding of the center of our faith. That thesis informs every other statement that he makes. Here's just a few. I want to read them to you in that context. Of God's own will, he brought us forth to be doers of the word. Of his own will, he brought us forth to be doers of the word. Of God's own will, he brought us forth to keep ourselves unstained from the world. Of God's own will, he brought us forth to serve orphans and widows. Of God's own will, he brought us forth to have faith that is evidenced by works. Of God's own will, he brought us forth to confess our sins to each other and find healing. That was of his will. Perhaps another way to look at this is through a question. I want to challenge you to look at this on the other side of the coin, right? The question is this, and I think it applies to your life today, and I think it's where you can find yourself in the story that James is writing. And the question is this, why should I obey God? Why should I obey God? Why should I choose to obey somebody I cannot see and who wrote a really long book that sometimes it's really hard for me to get up and read and then tell other people about my problems. Literally all of that is uncomfortable. <laughs> when I'm, do I'm doing all right by myself. Why should I obey God? I've said this before and I want to say it again so that it's fresh on your mind. Is that most people... Their issue with Christianity is not a science issue. It's not a biological issue. It's not a historical issue or any other superficial kind of issue. Because the reality is, is there are very smart people, much smarter than I, who have answered those questions in satisfactory ways, according to the same rules as the world. 
I believe that most people's issue with Christianity is a lordship issue. If Jesus is who he said he is and he really rose from the dead, then just like his brother James, everything has to change. And that's where we lose Jesus. We like the way we've built our life. We like not having accountability. We like not having to lay down my life for the good of others. I like not having to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength. I don't have to love my neighbor as myself. It's just sometimes, frankly, easier to love myself. But many people are just, and if we're honest, us at times, are just not willing to make those changes. To surrender to the Holy Spirit who's at work, who's powerfully working in you. Why should we obey God? Man, do you need a better reason than because the God of the universe, of his own will, gave us life to be the first fruits of his creation? You were created on purpose for a purpose. And Paul agrees. Paul agreed with James. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. We know this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of work so that no one can boast. There's the message of grace. But what is the result of that? What is it that James was saying? The same thing as Paul is going to say. That faith without works is dead. That the evidence that grace has gone into your life is this. Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, even from before the foundations of the earth, it was laid out that you would walk in the purpose that he created you for, which is to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And the only way you can love your neighbor as yourself is if your vision goes up first. You got to love God before you can share good news and serve your city. You know what I'm saying? Because if you try to do that the other way around and try to manufacture a purpose in your life, it's not going to work. You're going to get tired. You're going to get angry. <laughs> like, well, these people just help themselves. No, no, no. You got you to gotta step back and Jesus has to fill you. He has to be powerfully at work in your life. I'm preaching at myself now. Can I ask you a question? All right, three of you. I'm coming at the three of you. The rest of you can listen in. Do you have a lordship issue today? I think the answer is yes. I do. I I could give you seven times, ten times through this last week that I chose to be lord of my life. And it didn't go well. Went really poorly. I just want to ask you, do you have a lordship issue today? Have you been leaning away from Jesus because of some of the changes that the Holy Spirit is powerfully working in you to make? Is there sin in your life that you have the opportunity, the privilege 
to not be in chains to, but to repent of and be set free in the powerful working of God in your life. There's freedom in Jesus for you today. You can have it right now. Right now, not because of what you bring to the table, but because of what he's already brought to the table. I want to I want to close with this because I think it's important for us to continue to wrap our head around who James was. And it's one thing for me to tell you what James wrote. It's one thing for me to tell you what the scriptures say. But how about somebody who lived around the same time as him? What what did his contemporaries who weren't writing anything in the Bible have to say about James? What was what was the legacy that James left? What was the generation who watched him and then pastored after him saying? Because sometimes that matters more, right? Like what what did you leave behind when you left this earth? A guy with a great name called Hegesippus was a Christian writer in the generation after James. And he wrote this testimony of James. I want you to listen to this. This will be on the screen, I think, so that you can follow along. Here's the legacy James left. He could be found kneeling and praying for the forgiveness of the people. So much so that his knees grew hard like a camel's because of his constant worship of God kneeling and asking forgiveness for the people. That doesn't seem like a guy who was confused about who was doing the work. No, no, no. He understood that it was but by the grace of God. We are what we are. This wasn't a theological game for James. We've made it that throughout the centuries. You know, is. Luther writer is Calvin right or, you know, was James right or was Paul right? And, and, and like all those four guys would be mortified that we had those conversations. This wasn't a game. Listen to me. James was a pastor and James loved people. And like James, I, as you sit in front of me today and as you watch online today or maybe you listen to this on a podcast later Just like James wrote to those people, I want to see you and me find healing from what Paul says are sins that so easily entangle us. Would you just surrender to Jesus today? Not of your own doing, but he's likely already at work in your heart. I don't have to give you a laundry list of things for you to think about and respond to and conjure up in you what you need to repent of. You already know. Because as I stand here and read that to you, I already know. I know what's wrong with me. And if you don't know what's wrong with you, ask the person next to you and they'll gladly tell you what's wrong with you. And then you can tell them what's wrong with them. James says we're supposed to do that. We'll get there in a couple weeks. But listen to me. Is Jesus by his own will inviting you to surrender to him today? And if the Holy Spirit is doing that, I believe he is. I want to ask you, dare I say, beg you to listen to him. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. 
And I'm not going to make you walk to the front like they used to when I was a kid or do anything crazy like that. But I do, as your pastor, want to give you a legitimate opportunity to surrender to Jesus today. And I'm not even going to have the band come up because I think they need to repent too. They're laughing at me. He's like, you're not wrong. I know I'm not wrong. I'm just kidding. It's like, wow, that's really aggressive. And here's the reality. Leaders go first, right? That's me. Like I, I am, but by the grace of God, am who I am. There's nothing special about me. I just got first in line to say, I know a guy. <laughs> I'm not the guy. I know a guy. And you should know that no, no other pastor in the city, no other pastor on YouTube is the guy. None of us are the guy. We might have a gift to talk, but we're not the guy. And you need to know that we're not the guy. Jesus is the guy. He is the name that is above every other name. And it is at his name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. He, he's giving you the opportunity before that moment at the end of this age when you will be made to bow the knee. He's given you that opportunity now to surrender to him by his own will. He's inviting you to be the first fruits of his creatures. And we're going to spend the rest of these weeks talking about what does it look like to be the first fruit of God's creation, to be his hand-picked ambassadors, as Paul would say. God making his appeal through you and I to the earth. We're going to talk about that, but it begins with this recognition, this surrender, this confession that Jesus is Lord. And so we're going to take 30 seconds to a minute. It's going to feel like forever. It's going to be awkward. If you're not a Christian today, welcome. <laughs> we do awkward things here. But I don't think there could be a more important 30 seconds to a minute in your life. Where is the Spirit of God powerfully working in your life? And will you surrender to it? Let's just take 30 seconds... And pray. If you don't know how to pray, it's very easy. Just in the quietness of your mind and heart. Not out loud. You can pray out loud, but we're going to hear what you say. And that's fine. But just talk to him. Talk to him like you would to your spouse or your friend or your neighbor. There's no magic rules to this. He wants to know you. The Bible says that God is a father. He's a good father. Talk to him. Let's just take 30 seconds. If you're not a Christian, it's very simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, you will be saved. And that powerful working of God will begin in your life. And if you're feeling drawn to make that prayer, it's because he's already at work in your life. He has already drawn you to himself. And he's just asking you to confess that back to him. So let's take that 30 seconds and pray.